Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is The Ziegler Show, where our goal is to inspire your true performance. In this episode, does your work interest you? Well, should your work truly interest you? What are you missing if it does not? Though, as you'll hear in the show, maybe interest in your work is not the absolute end all, but highly important. And here's the question I pose to the Ziegler audience. Do you find your work to be interesting? Yes or no? And how much weight on your work fulfillment does this have? The question came from a short message that we're going to hear from Zig Ziglar, where he cited a survey conducted about the workplace asking what employees wanted. Managers surveyed said that their employees that they thought wanted good wages, job security, and promotions. The workers, however, responded, and number one was they wanted interesting work. So there's no commentary I can give that will be as valuable as hearing what the audience had to say, what you guys had to say. Uh, what you responded with. Tom Ziegler joins me and we talk through your comments. So that's coming right up after I share some great products and services with you. Now let's identify what it is that everybody wants. Everybody wants to be happy. They want to be healthy. They want to be at least reasonably prosperous and secure. They want to have friends. They want to have peace of mind. They want to have good family relationships and they want to have hope that the future is going to be even better. Now, that's what everybody wants in life. But what about those uh, people as it applies to their work life? What is it that they want? Now, somebody once said that perception is the cruelest form of reality. A study was done and reported in USA Today about what managers thought their workers wanted and what workers wanted and they discovered they were quite different. Now, the managers thought that the personnel wanted, number one, good wages. Number two, they wanted job security. Number three, they wanted promotions in the future. Now, that's what the managers thought the workers wanted. When they asked the workers, they got an entirely different perspective. The first thing they wanted was interesting work. The second thing, number two, was appreciation for the work they had done. And number three, they wanted a feeling of being in on things. Now, the way we perceive ourselves and others is important. All right, Tom, before we dive into the responses we got on this question... Uh, I wanted to just hit on it again, you know, Zig did the, talked about the survey and managers thought that the workers wanted good wages, job security and promotions and the workers, the number one thing that they wanted was interesting work. So I just in thinking about that, I thought, and obviously from an employer standpoint, very difficult to turn around and go, okay, I heard that the number one thing you guys want is interesting work. So how can we make your work interesting? I don't know that you can do that real well. The call out to me was on that aspect. We got to hire the right people who are genuinely interested in whatever the role is that we need. Agreed. Yeah, that's part of it. Yep. You'll tell me the other part. <laughs> that's all I had down. <laughs> you know, the, the workplace is so dynamic. Um, that if I feel like I'm valued, that I'm heard, uh, that yeah. I'm recognized, then no matter how mundane I'm, uh, what I'm doing, it, it can be, it can be livable. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, if I, if I know I'm contributing, if I got a sense of accomplishment, then that helps a great deal. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is, uh, you know, when you say we got to hire right where I would agree is, uh, 
very, very strongly is when we hire somebody, what's their purpose for working? What's their why? Yeah. Right. Because, uh, you know, Howard Partridge, who's our uh, business coach, he says, the only reason your business exists is it's a vehicle to help you achieve your life goals. And so if, if you're working somewhere, one of the things you could say is you could change that just a little bit. The only reason I do the work I do is because it's a vehicle to help me achieve my life goals. Yeah. Right. And so if your why is strong, then that's powerful. Yeah. I, I totally agreed. I, this, this, this issue of interest, Tom brought up some of the things that we talk about in the workplace that gets debated ad nauseum, like passion, you know, work at what you're passionate about, uh, work at what you're good at, work at something that pays well. Those are the three things that stood out to me. And I thought, goodness, you know, I am generally work. I'm always working at work that overall I have a lot of passion about, but I have done that in the past, especially with businesses where I've gotten, gotten into a business. I'm passionate about the overall endeavor. And I ended up in a role doing some things that I was not interested in and it was really difficult for me. So again, that, you know, we got that, uh, we got to really look at, Hey, I'm passionate about, but yeah, well, are, is the thing that you're doing, are you interested in it? And then that other aspect of, of what you're good at. I mean, this is from school, you know, whatever the kid's good at, that's what they get pushed into. And that doesn't mean that they're interested in that. I mean, in school, I excelled at ball sports. I, I just wasn't that interested and so I didn't keep doing that, but I was good at it. I was great at it. I went and pursued pro cycling. I don't think I was as good there as I would have been out in the field, but I just didn't, it didn't fit me. I wasn't interested in it. And then uh, again, obviously the one I think we know the most is the work that pays well, which is generally where we are often directed. And my gosh, I'm sure you've seen this as much or more than I have. The people who go into the big pain professors, doctors, lawyers, whatever it may be, uh, for the, the money, the prestige or whatever. And it's not what they're well fitted for. It's not ultimately what they're interested in. Then they're stuck to the thing because they've invested so much in it. So again, we, I, that's what made me interested, interested in the interested pun intended on interest. You know, is what you're doing day to day, something that you are interested in. And Tom, I mean, you work at something that overall you're very passionate about, but I do know that over the past, gosh, just since we've been working together, which is five-ish years now or so, that you've made a big shift getting out of the roles of doing things that you were not interested in, best at, whatever, and keeping you more so focused on those areas that you really want to dig into. Yeah, I remember seeing a, uh, <clears throat> it was a report. I think it, it was either uh, Strength Finders or Gallup or one of those organizations uh, did this poll. And they, you know, they did these surveys and they found people who had been in a position or in an organization for quite a number of years, let's just say over 10 years. And they went in and they tried to figure out uh, the ones who said they're highly satisfied with mm -hmm. what they're doing. They tried to figure out what was unique about it. And here it is, is they worked in an environment to where when they started off, uh, they did what was expected, right? They, they had certain things in their job description they had to do because it was part of the job. Mm -hmm. And then there were certain things that they were really, that's why they wanted the job, right? It, it was very interesting to them. And then as they did everything well, right, they, they did their job, they, they meet, met or exceeded expectations, the environment allowed them to continue to, to add responsibility or new activities in their interest zone, in their strength zone. 
and to let go of things that they're, they weren't naturally strong at or interested in. And so that's, to me, that's really the key is, is we, we all want to grow. I mean, people are motivated by growth more than anything else. And so as we mature, as we learn more, as we get more experience, are we in a position where we can add responsibility in the things that we're interested in and have natural gifts and talents in at the same time, we're letting go of things that we're not so good at. Yeah. Right. That, that was what the report said. That's what's the end result. The people most satisfied performing at the highest level, even in a very structured corporate environment, that's how they let them kind of define their job description. For me personally, uh, it's been the same thing. I've, you know, consciously, intentionally said, these are things I'm going to do less of, and these are things I'm going to do more of. Yeah. And, and when I was early on, um, you know, not quite as mature experienced, boy, I, I had a hard time letting go of anything, even though I wasn't good at it. And boy, you know, the sooner you figure out what you're not good at, uh, and you can, you can figure out who can do that for you or, or, you know, you can, you can, you can focus on what your strength is. Then the work automatically becomes more interesting to me. Yeah. Well, and you reminded me of the Peter principle, uh, as well along in there. And that's the folks, if you haven't heard that and I'll read it, the definition or the, uh, yeah, how you define it. It's an observation that the tendency in most organizational hierarchies, such as that of a corporation is for every employee to rise in the hierarchy through promotion until they reach a level of respective incompetence. But how many people have gotten into a job, they're really good at it, and then they get promoted into an area of managing or whatnot that does not fit them. That would be me. I am, I am a really, really poor manager. Uh, so I, yeah, that'd be me, you know, rising in, in competence through, I'll say a sales position they could put into management, man, I am not good at that. And you know, in a similar vein, Tom, I'm sure you've seen this where you'll have somebody who will found a company, start a company and by proxy be CEO or be at the top and then find out after some period of time, they needed to, it feels like a demotion, put them back into a role that fits them better, which may be salesperson or, you know, researcher, analyst, whatever got them interested in that, that, uh, we got to really look at those roles, just as you said, that fit our gifting, skills, abilities, all that good stuff. Well, hey, yep. yeah. And then, of course, there's Mike Rowe with, with you know, the dirty jobs guy. Yeah. And, of course, he's, he's all about, hey, you know, we overplay passion, right? We overplay what this idea, God, we got to do our dream job. And Rabbi, you know, Rabbi Lappin says the same thing. He says, you know what, if, if we're doing something that benefits our fellow man that solves a problem, and that's a valuable thing to do. And I think a lot of times people are afraid to quote unquote, love their job because it doesn't have all the pizzazz and all the bells and whistles that they compare themselves to. Mm -hmm. Right. When the reality is most jobs to me, uh, the job itself is kind of boring, but if your focus is on the people you're working with or serving at that point, then it becomes fun. So it's all about the people that you're working with. I just met with a guy last week, Tom, wanted to talk to me about uh, him looking at creating a side business, doing something that fit him more and how his job didn't really, like you said right there, didn't really hit on all his passions and whatnot. 
and over about 45 minutes, uh, over coffee, he basically talked himself into how great his job was. Um, and it really was, I think it's a good fit for him. If he wants to do something, play on the side, but it really affords him the things that are important to him, even though, yeah, it is not the thing or the role in itself is not, it's not the fulfillment of his passions, but man, it supports his life well and gives him so much, uh, I guess, you know, resources and, uh, leeway to pursue the things he does care about. There's something that we teach at Ziegler. Uh, it's part of our, when we do our Ziegler legacy certification, it's mm -hmm. actually one of the courses that we equip people to go and teach. And here's the concept. It's the concept of a little bit extra. So if you feel like you're kind of trapped in a mundane job, it's not very interesting, da, 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 da. I want you to think about this. What are the things that you do every day? that are just kind of boring, that just kind of hold you back. I mean, and, and I hear it from everybody. It doesn't matter whether they're, you know, customer service on the phone or they're out doing yard work, you know, they've got a yard business or whatever. If you think of what are four or five little things extra that I could do to change the experience and you start intentionally putting that in mm -hmm. two or three times a day, like let's just say you do the yards, right? Uh, simple job. It's the same thing over and over again. Um, but you say, you know what, this is a good customer. I'm going to do something a little extra. So you ring the doorbell and you say, uh, Hey, I noticed that the, your sprinkler over there was broken. So look, I got you a new one and that's it. You just left. Okay. What did it cost you? A couple dollars. Mm -hmm. But then you get this, Oh, really? You did that for me? You get this overwhelming expression of thank you and gratitude. And you start building a reputation, not around, Hey, this guy does a mundane thing, but around, Hey, man, this is, you know, this is the yard whisperer. I mean, this, <laughs> oh, nice. you know, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. And, and so we can, we have a mindset choice. We have a, we have a, an ability, whatever position we're in to do the little bit extra and the most memorable stories of all are the people that we find who do the common thing in an uncommon way. Yeah. And that's all they do. Uh, yes. And I've seen so many people excel with that. Tom, I, you know, my son, Caleb, you guys have, have met, you know him well, and he yep. has a place that he has wanted to work and he's finally in the door. And one of the things he did, we talked about it and, and I advocated for him to do it is after he did the interview and it looked, things look good. But the next day he called in cause it's a place uh, within healthcare where there are some volunteers and he said, Hey, can I just volunteer? Can I just volunteer? Even though, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get the job or whatever, but either way, can I just volunteer? I told him nobody does that, especially not a youngster his age. And uh, he's got the job uh, is, is, <laughs> is the end of that story. Yeah. So, high, high so you can see the high five. I the do. Video. I'll give that to him at, at home. <clears throat> but yeah, just, a, just exactly what you said. Just a, a, such a small thing, but we do not think to do that these days so much. Well, hey, I'll dive into some of these responses here. Brian. Uh, Lynchard, he says his work is not so much fulfilling, but it fits my personality better than anything else that I've done. And the hours and location uh, are, are good, uh, flexible enough and low stress enough that I'm able to do other things in my life that are more fulfilling and more important to me. 
You know, we're going to get into personality styles here, you know, Tom, and, and there are plenty of people. I think it's good to recognize, can you work at something that may not be yeah, the fullness of everything for you, but it does afford you to do some of those things uh, on the side. I know a lot of people like that. I sometimes feel like I'm, I am, I'm overly sensitive and I'm intolerant and I, I have a hard time uh, not being actively engaged every moment in that you know thing that I am really interested in. And I, what I've learned is there's no right or wrong. Um, I have seen people excel both directions. And so this, I mean, what Brian's talking about is exactly what the conversation was with this guy I met the other day is looking at his life overall and kind of like the show 742 we did looking at all the spokes and going, what do I want there? And then does the job fulfill most of them pretty well? Does it allow for that? Even if it's not the end all. And a lot of times it does. Yeah. I mean, you know, dad's definition of success is the maximum utilization of the abilities that God gave you. We, we don't pay enough attention to the abilities that God gave us when it comes to our family, our friends, our kids, <laughs> our yeah. community, yeah. our faith walk, right? It seems like we only notice those around our career. And, and so I kind of, I kind of love that. Hey, I've got a, I've got a, something that, that I'm good at that fits my personality and it allows me to maximize everything else. Yeah. Well, and, and on that, a good call out again, this is show 744 folks. If you didn't hear 742, it's a great run through of the seven spokes of the Ziggler wheel of life, looking at what you want. That's a great thing to match up to this show and see where it is your career and work. Uh, what is it supporting? Is it hitting those? Well, Clinton Rowe, he says, I find my job very interesting. The changes in coding, C-O-A-T, coding science, products, and applications go hand in hand. Uh, it's fun to try and keep up and very fulfilling to apply what I've learned. To clarify, I'm a residential commercial painter. I mean, that is a great, I, I love how God makes us all different. Painting is one of the, uh, if I can, how can I not be negative? It is not the most enjoyable thing uh, for me. Uh, just, I mean, at home, man, if there's a room that has to be done or something, I will pay anybody, anything to just take care of that. My wife loves it, loves doing that. So Clinton has obviously found an arena that he likes. God bless him for it. Yep. Hey, here's a, here's an idea that a little bit extra. I learned this from Brian Buffini. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he's like maybe the largest, uh, coaching group in the world when it comes to real estate. Uh, but his father had a construction business and a painting business. And whenever they would finish painting, uh, a, a, you know, a building mm -hmm. or, an, or a room or an office or a house, they would do the little bit extra thing. They would professionally clean all the windows in that room and they would put new light bulbs in. Mm -hmm. And so you, you, people, people don't know the, how well you did on the paint if they can't see it. And yeah. they usually can't see it because of the light. And so they just factored that in. And how cool was it when people would come in and they would be shocked, yeah. not even realizing that, that, that the, 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 not only was the paint amazing, but the room was alive because of the energy and the light. There's the back to that doing uh, something just a little bit extra, a little bit yep. better. We have one mechanic here in the small town that I live in. And if you get your car done there, they will wash it. You get it back <laughs> clean. So you buy proxy. The moment you drive in to get your, you know, get your car, whatever was fixed on it, it just looks better. What a brilliant thing. And they pay some kid, you know, minimum wage uh, to do that. And what it's done is sour me now 
on every other place. If I use them that they didn't wash my car or the bike shop when I take it in and they, you know, they fixed whatever, but they get it back and it still looks like the piece of dirty junk that I sent in there. What a small thing. And yeah, you could, you could raise the perspective of the value of what you did by that little thing. So I love that story. It's brilliant. You are listening to The Ziggler Show and our Q&A on having interesting work. Well, next we're going to hear from a school nurse. She's been doing it for 22 years and she found great interest and has loved her job. And then also a substitute teacher who is not enjoying his. So I'm going to bring them to you after I share some valuable products and services. Uh, Robin Mercier. Um, Oh my goodness. She says, never a dull moment. I'm a school nurse. And after 22 years, there are still so many new scenarios that come along. I'm willing to bet that most people would never guess just how much school nurses do already over 2,500 visits to my office this school year. I walk to school every day. I do grant writing for water bottle filling stations and more. I just love it, but I'm really looking forward to retiring to my health and wellness business where I'm be my own boss and have my own hours. But that's great. 22 years. I mean, can you imagine existing and having that kind of an attitude and inspiration if she wasn't interested in it? Boy, Robin, you need to write a book. Hmm. I mean, think about it. You could take your, your top three stories from each year. Yeah. <laughs> you got a book mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. Imagine that'd be like, yeah, just gosh, that's yeah. The amount of stories and probably in-depth relational things that she's witnessed in there. Tom Deo. He says, sadly, very little interest as a substitute teacher. Kids have an attitude that I am there as a babysitter at best for most of them. I do make connections with some. It works better on uh, it works better on multi-day assignments and I've had some great connections. I try to get multi-day or week assignments and go deeper with the kids, but man, right off there, that's, that's hard. Sadly, very little as a sub teacher. And I have known substitute teachers who really enjoy that. They love coming into the new uh, environment. And my kids have talked about some and when they've been in school, uh, where the substitute teachers came in and how neat it was and knew it was. And then of course, some others where it wasn't a good fit. And I don't think this says much about Tom as a teacher so much as maybe the fit. Uh, and I, I, I'd be curious to know why he doesn't look for a, maybe he can't get a, a consistent job, you know, wherever he is, there's not an opening. Hopefully maybe that's something he's looking for. Yeah. You know, um, gosh, and I don't know enough about education. I, I know that the states have different um, mandates and rules. Um, I can remember substitute teachers. Every now and then one of them would come in and they would start off with just a crazy story as they introduced themselves. And it was the talk of the class for the rest of the day. Hey, can you believe what so-and-so did? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's in it, but at the same time, uh, I know, I know teachers in districts that are rough, right? I mean, it's, uh, the economics of that situation and, and the, the challenges that they walk in, it doesn't afford that same opportunity. Yeah. So that's a hard, that's a tough one. It is. It is. Thanks for sharing that, Tom. Uh, Kent Burr. I'm not sure I pronounce that last name. He says, uh, it very well could be interesting if I would find fulfillment from the process and results and not from my customers' reactions to me. I do mobile repair work for car dealerships. They love you uh, when they need you and dislike you when they don't. 
Uh, and, and I actually heard a little bit more from Kent and he's really working. Yeah. Just on his perspective. So he likes the work, but is struggling with the people. I, I would say a lot of people fit in this Tom where they, maybe they like the, the work they do is interesting, but the, in his sense, it's the customer who he's struggling with. Sometimes I, I'm sure for other people, it may be their coworkers and that environment. I think that's just a, that's, that's another side of it. And just as you talked about at the beginning of the show that, man, if you you know don't have interest, but you have X, Y, Z other things that may be, you know, make for an, an okay job, a sustainable job. So here's one where it may be interesting, but if the other pieces of it are not a good fit, he's going to have to weigh those and see, is this tenable? Does he need to make a change in how he deals with somebody and, and, and increase his personal relationship skills or, is this an area where he needs to find how can I do this thing that I'm interested in without the interaction? Does he need to hire somebody who does more of the dealing with the people, but he's, so he's juggling that something of interest, but he's got something else that's, uh, that's rubbing him wrong. Yeah. You know, to me, this is a boy, this is a big one. This is a choice. Okay. This, mm-hmm. because here's the reality. Um, if, if you take yourself out of the situation, it doesn't matter who the mobile repairman is who shows up right? If, if they're upset that their car is down, they're going to be upset at whoever shows up. And if they're happy, they're coming, then they're going to be happy with whoever comes. Mm -hmm. So what does that tell you? It tells you that it has nothing to do with you. Hmm. Okay. So that's awesome. So that means that no matter what their emotion is, good or bad, positive or negative, deflating or inflating, whatever it is, and it's not about you. And so that means that you're in a perfect position to change the atmosphere, to make it better, you know, to take it to the next level. And boy, you know, I would really work on kind of an opening uh, line. Hey, I'm here. Gosh, I'm so sorry. You had to call in. Uh, You know, the dealership sent me right over. What's going on with your car? Let's see if we can get this fixed right away. And then you just kind of, you kind of create the atmosphere from, from the very beginning and whatever they say, it's not personal. It's not about you, <laughs> you know, it's not because you're there to help. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh my goodness. Let me see how I can fix this. And that, that's what I would do. And so uh, we all tend to do this. We all tend to, to get validation off of what uh, people say to us uh, prior to, during and after whatever we're doing. Right. It's like we're seeking approval, but the reality is, is what they're saying isn't a reflection of you. It's a reflection of who they are. It's always get amused. You know, the, the air, the airplane gets delayed and people start to get upset. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait a second, you should be grateful because that plane is delayed because the weather's bad or the equipment broke or the, there's something wrong with the flight crew. (laughs) Trust me. If the equipment's broken or the weather's bad, you don't want to be up in the air. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you really think about it, you should be like, Oh my gosh, you just take your time. And when it's safe, let's do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? True perspective change because, there. Yeah. So, so when we walk in, man, I have a chance to change the atmosphere Yeah. and uh, boy, you know, no matter whether they're upset or happy or whatever it is, it has nothing to do with me. Hmm. Right. So I'm just going to let that stuff go around me. It's not going to impact me directly. My goal is just to do a great job, uh, maybe lift it up a little bit, do something extra. 
Exactly. You nailed it. That's exactly what I was coming to, Tom, is doing that something extra. I mean, here's the, the thing that I've realized that's difficult when you're a contractor like that. Well, if, in any job to some degree, uh, when you do a job and you know you did an excellent job, the bummer is that you did what they expected. You did what they hoped for. And we hear, we hope to have accolades, especially if we think that our competitors are not doing that great of a job, but still, even if you do an, an excellent job, you just did what they expected you to do. They did what you did, what they, they hoped to have gotten by paying you. What is something extra that you can do that puts you in a different light? How can you be their hero? Uh, instead of just a necessary, you know, evil, which they may look at you as right now that you're fixing a problem they wish they hadn't had. And I understand that I'm in a, involved in a business with an alternative health insurance product. And we've had to realize that we're selling something here that people wish they didn't have to mess with. I mean, who wants health insurance? Who gets excited about health insurance or any insurance? It's a necessary evil. So I'm selling a necessary evil. So we've had to really look at that and revise how we're, positioning about this. This isn't just a happy, fun thing. Um, so yeah, we need, we need to understand the breadth of what we're doing, the perspective people have of it. Uh, Thomas Zelensky, he says, I have recently learned that my identity should not be tied to my job, no matter what it is. I like what I do and it pays the bills. So to a point it is fulfilling. I have learned that happiness comes from within yourself, not in other people or in what you do. So I responded back to him. I said, but but you do, uh, find some interest or fulfillment in your job. And he says, and he came back, he says, no, not really, but I am good at it. So we talked about this top of the show, Tom, that thing of what you are good at. And I think it's, I think it's often, uh, it's, it's counterintuitive to sometimes think the thing that you're good at, good at does not always mean you're interested in it and that you enjoy it. And I've realized that there's some things I'm good at. I just could care less to ever do them. So it's, it, it is, it's, it's counter to, it's, it's illogical because you would by proxy. I think we tend to by proxy think, well, if I'm good at it, you must be good. If a kid in school is good at something, he must enjoy that. And that's so odd. We have to struggle with that. I've got a son right now. Now he actually is coming into it some more, but initially running, he won every race, every series we put him in, he wins the things. And yet he was struggling with not enjoying running the pressure he felt from it. And we had to work, we've had to work through that, but I was about ready to say, look, buddy, you may be good at it, but you just don't like it. Let's find something else. Now he's, he's actually coming around and some things have changed and he's actually starting to enjoy it more. But I think it's really relevant to look at that just because you're good at it does not mean you like it. And that's, I, I, I do, Tom, I think it's illogical, but it's, it exists. Yep, Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that I, that I learned, uh, this year, and one of the books that I read is that people, uh, in an organization or in life are motivated by two things, um, a missional and a aspirational goal or objective. So mm -hmm. missional is they buy into what the company is doing. Aspirational is who do I want to become? So I love what he said about, Hey, my identity is who I am, not what I do. Yeah. Okay. So that's, man, that's Thomas. That's strong. That's yeah. So I was talking to another, another uh, guy I was working with and he said, gosh, you know, I wish, I wish my people really believed that what they did mattered. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, they just think they're technicians and they have a high end, uh, uh, re refrigeration 
uh, like HVAC refrigeration services. It's, it's not really HVAC. It's, it's more like, you know, refrigeration systems for huge equipment that we'd find in a manufacturing plant, a cooling system in a hospital, something like that. Mm. And I said, so, and I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, they don't think that their job matters. That's what they believe. You know, they work all this time. They, they're good at it, but they don't think what they do matters. And I said, well, if the refrigeration goes out at the hospital, what happens? And he's like, his eyes got big. Well, you know, the medication would spoil, blood mm. would go bad, people would die. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> those guys better do a good job. Their job saves lives. And at the, at the manufacturing level, if the refrigeration and cooling systems go down, they shut the line down and all the employees go home. All these hourly workers don't get paid. And that's for some people, that's, that means no Christmas, right? I mean, mm. people are like literally a week from a, from bankrupt. And I said, you know what, what they do really does matter. And so one of the things that, you know, can change our view of what we do, although we may not find it interesting, we can find it very fulfilling because when we solve that problem, it makes a difference in the lives of other people. Yeah. And so I kind of draw the line. There's a difference between interesting versus fulfilling. Hmm. I, all right, Alan, I'm a facilities manager for a 500 student parochial school, uh, grade school, pre-K through eighth grade. Like any job, I have slow days, but overall, I absolutely love the work and find it very interesting as it's always something new. It's a good mix of desk work and hands-on projects. A lot of what I do has direct and noticeable impact on the teachers and the students, and it's a great way to be of service to them in such a positive way. Very fulfilling to me, both personally and professionally. It speaks right to what you just said, Tom, um, yeah. that he's seeing the impact that we have. It's always, yeah, it's not always the most direct thing. And I, we, we hear a lot of content about people being uh, disjointed or, or removed from in their jobs because they're not connected with the end product. You know, they're selling some, something's being sold way out here and they're in a high rise downtown being this, you know, being a cog in the wheel is, is the negative phrase that gets put on that. And they don't understand that, but man, I've seen people though, who find fulfillment in their, within their team, just in uplifting the people in their, in their, in their group and, you know, uh, extracurricular things that the group may be employee group may be involved in and whatnot. But I think it's imperative to go back to what you said, that we do understand some positive impact. It seems very, yeah. Talk about fulfillment outside of, out of interest to be fulfilled without knowing that that work you're doing adds up to something. It goes back to the old, I don't know if it was made up or whatever, but the old uh, test that was done where they had guys, you know, dig a ditch and fill it back up, pay them triple money. But after so long, nobody could withstand it because if we don't see some result, it's just, yeah. Talk about fulfillment. It's uh, we just can't handle it. Can't handle it. Dennis Durrell. He says, absolutely. I get to make information, uh, from integrating data sources. I get to play in both the management space and systems development space. I code, I teach, and I lead. There's no better job on the planet. As said in Top Gun, it's a target-rich environment. Every day I get to help people solve their business needs creatively, both interesting and fulfilling. I feel blessed. 
Man, this makes me think of what you talked about with the airline person. You know, who do you want? The guy that's just there doing it a job. It's a pain in the butt or somebody who loves it. I mean, who's going to do a better job? And here's Dennis. So who do I want doing what a code for me? I want Dennis doing it. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And what's funny is I'm like going, oh my gosh, I'm glad you're doing that job. <laughs> me too. And so are so many other people. But I mean, as I've told my kids, uh, I'll never forget a really close friend of mine back when uh, Terry and I were newlyweds and we were in a, a couple's group or whatever and had a, had a buddy and we really resonated well with each other. But at some point he said, man, Kevin, I just, I don't get how you do your job. You spend most of the day sitting in front of a computer and uh, I, said, I would go nuts. I got to be out doing something. I said, I, go figure. I can sit in front and write all day long. Uh, different strokes for different folks. Thank goodness. Well, here's somebody that we know, Dan Miller. Oh yeah. My dad, the author of 48 days to the work you love. He says, I find my work to be very interesting. If it were not interesting, I can't imagine it being fulfilling no matter how godly or humanitarian. If it were not interesting, I couldn't do it. And I have known that uh, of him. And I think this does, it speaks to a personality. Again, this doesn't have to be everybody, but I saw that from him. I never understood anything different. You probably didn't either, Tom. You never witnessed your dad doing work just for work's sake or doing work just for pay's sake. He found interest in it. It doesn't mean it was the most altruistic thing. Going back to our, uh, gosh, who was it up here? Kent, who talked about he's in mobile repair for car dealerships. I remember my dad had an, it was automotive, uh, like uh, accessories. Uh, and he would work with the dealers a lot and he was not saving the planet. He's helping people, you know, put pinstripes on a car or a sunroof or something. Man, he loved, he, he loves cars. He loves the atmosphere. Um, he loves seeing stuff, driving new cars and playing with it. I mean, it was just, it was just fun. He was always interested. So I never knew anything, but going after something, that I was, had some interest in. And I'm, I'm grateful for my father's example there. Yep. Amen. I know you are too. Uh, Susie kid, she says she's retiring from juvenile justice this month with 27 years of service in Missouri, uh, leading this nation, leading the nation. It was very interesting, very rewarding. While I'm ready to move on to something new, some of the best life lessons came from those kids. And again, you know that she had coworkers that went home at the end of the day and complained about those kids <laughs> and probably doesn't mean that they're bad people. They just may not have been in the right job. And I heard somebody say one time, Tom, don't know who to attribute it to, but they said, if you're in a job you don't like, you need to get out of it because you're stealing the job that somebody else belongs in and somebody else is sitting in the job, not liking it that you would love to have go figure out the one that fits for you. That's right. All right. One more here. Grove Higgins. I know Grove. He says, yes, with the exclamation point as a doctor, educator, and entrepreneur, I am very satisfied and motivated. I have the opportunity to satisfy each of my strengths and interests. I get constant social engagement with my patients and students. The challenges keep me constantly working to stay current and on the cutting edge. Although the business aspect is more difficult for me than the doctoring side, I still find it engaging, especially since I get to interact with people like you. Kevin Miller. Uh, he grows a neat, neat guy and just uh, a brilliant in his arena. He's a chiropractor from a doctor standpoint, but that's such a minimizing of what all he actually does. He's really involved in functional medicine, which, uh, which I am. And, uh, but that is an interesting statement that goes along very much. So with my partner, we talked about him, uh, Dr. Randy James, actually that may have been the, in the show we just recorded earlier, but, uh, Dr. Randy James, your doctor and my business partner, uh, Grove is a doctor as well, who loves the doctoring part, 
uh, but struggles with the business side of it. So here's something that, you know, it's, but it's, it, it helps support what he wants to do to deal with that part. I think that's a great call out to even when we find that thing that we love to do that we may be very passionate about. I don't attest to the thing of what's the old quote, Tom, that somebody said, you know, find the work that you really uh, love to do and you'll never work another day in your life. Like it's all play. I just have not found that to be the case in the work that I love. It involves hard work and a good amount of things that I would rather not do. That's right. And what we got to, you know, I think the, the, we got to have the balance there, no matter what we do, no matter what we love, there's, there's a percentage of it, 20%, 30%, 40% of the have to stuff that we would, that we would rather not do, but we have to do it in order to do it. Well, you know, one of the things there, uh, that I'm just going to say about Grove is, is I was watching a Ted talk and the, the, it was a doctor and he said, the number one problem with medicine is we don't put our hands on the patient anymore. Hmm. And so that's why I love chiropractors is because it's personal, right? They're, they're putting the hands on the patient. Yep. And what that does is it's a different relationship. Now you're treating the whole person, mm-hmm. right? Because when somebody's like, man, my neck hurts. Well, why does it hurt? I don't know. Is it an injury? You know, and usually it's a combination of, and they're just not taking care of themselves. It's stress. You know, they could have an immune thing going. I mean, there's like a 50 things. And so, and I think we could apply that idea to any job that we have, man, if yeah. we put our hands into it, and it's not about the job as much as it's about the people around the job that matter. That's when things start to change. You know, it's interesting. I'm in a, in a group of guys. It's actually kind of a prayers group, Christian businessmen. The majority of them I would put in the infopreneur category. They have information products that they're doing and digital stuff. The number one thing that they talk about as far as praise and prayer requests are relationships. It's their employees, their staff, the people they're involved with, their business associates. That's where their heart is. They're grateful that they're selling this thing online, but they come back to where is their interest? Where is their yeah, fulfillment? It's people. It's absolutely people. Um, and they found it in there. Well, folks, thank you as always for sharing so intimately and, uh, vulnerably, uh, what a gift and, uh, yeah, just, it brings out the richness of these conversations you guys sharing. So thank you, Tom, always a gift to do it with you, brother. Thanks brother. Well, friends, I trust this show gave you some thoughts to consider regarding your job and just again, great to hear everyone's feedback. Thank you again. Well, coming up in episode 745, our body is a gift from the creator. This is our habit show. It's with Dr. Lee Warren. This is a license to invest in ourselves. It's not an admonishment. That's not what you're going to hear. If you woke up to a brand new car in your driveway and a note card that said, hey, from God, you would be ecstatic and you would take care of that baby. How about your body, though? Well, after letting his health go, Dr. Lee Warren shares that he committed to caring for himself. And here in our habit show, he stated in the health spoke, of course, our body is a gift to us from the creator. He's lost weight now. Dr. Warren has, he's increased his energy. It was a reminder that self-care is a priority instead of something to be left to, to the last thing, you know, after you take care of everybody else. Well, Dr. Warren, he was my guest in show 743, where we talked about the massive value and necessity 
of hope, something he knows well as a renowned neurosurgeon dealing daily with trauma and tragedy. Along with health, of course, we walk through the other six spokes in the Ziegler Wheel of Life, and you're going to be inspired by hearing what a top doctor and author does to keep himself as well as possible. I highly encourage you to check out his new book, I've Seen the End of You. It actually comes out January 7th, 2019. You can pre-order it now. Uh, you can find Dr. Warren at wleewarrenmd.com and make sure to check out the Dr. Lee Warren podcast. Well, till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <laughs>